Happy Monday, Jamie. Is there such a thing? <laughs> Is there a happy Monday? It, yes. When As long as you're not living like, you know, in Fort Myers, yeah. your home, old stomping oh, grounds. There, I've been right? on the phone and getting pictures all weekend long from wow. family and friends. Most of the town's still without power. Yeah. Uh, my mom's coming out tomorrow. So I'm flying my mom out tomorrow. Are you going to bring her in so we can all meet her? Oh, um... Uh, no. <laughs> no, yes, I will. If you guys okay, want to meet good. her, yes. as long as you don't ask her any questions about my childhood. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, there is so much happening. Uh, that it seems like we start every day off that way. I want to start talking about the economy this morning and what is happening um, around the world. It's not just here. It is around the world. I, I, I was, I've been, uh, what would you say? I'm defending myself with the things that I said about what's happening locally. We're going to get to it in just a moment. But there was an interesting story in NPR this morning, and it's it says the the hidden faces of hunger, and it's quoting people. Um, this woman named Heather Thomas um, said she and her husband lost their jobs, their homes, small business folded, multiple relatives died, health crisis. It just went from a drip to a flood very quickly. Food was really, really, really tight. My husband's health because of his conditions. There were times we just couldn't eat right, and that is a that is a sentiment that I think all of us have to realize is happening, and. With what's going to happen this winter, they are saying we are going to see a huge increase in energy bills for people trying to heat their homes this winter. Now, that's not going to affect us here in the Valley very much. We get cold, but not like it does in northern Arizona and other parts of the country. It is going to be difficult. Um, so I want you to hear a couple of things. This is uh, ABC. Deirdre Bolton from ABC talking about the stock market. Friday marked the last day of the month and the third quarter down the S&P 500 at their lowest level since November 2020. Now, part of the reason for the negativity on Friday, one of the Fed's favorite reports rather showed that food, energy, housing prices still too high for the Fed to stop raising rates. Higher rates, as we know, can hurt Americans who need to borrow money for mortgages, car loans and credit cards. And about stores, this is uh, stores now as we head into the holiday season. What's happening there? Mickey, for example, reporting its inventory levels soared 65% in North America. That's its largest market. Nike says it still has too much clothing in stock. Other retailers making similar comments this year, including Target and Walmart. The silver lining, though, for consumers, there will be more sales on casual clothing, home goods, and electronics as we head towards the holiday season. So when the president said months and months and months ago at the port of L.A. that he was going to, you know, cure the, the supply chain issue, I didn't think he meant he'd secure the supply chain issue by uh, making it so you couldn't afford to buy anything. But that's apparently what's happening. And, and I will tell you, um, it isn't. It isn't just the president. I know politically speaking, this is where we go because that's the leadership of the country. But here are the headlines. Cargo ship owners cancel sailing as global trade flips from backlog to empty containers. Supermarket discounts harder to find as food prices rise. The U.S. economy stumbles into the final stretch of 2022 facing new pressures. Those are just some of the headlines. But when it comes specifically to energy bills. OPEC is weighing production cut to bolster oil prices. What are we going to do about that? The answer is we're not going to do anything about that. That's the problem. Because 
American energy bills are set to soar this winter. Domestic oil production remains nearly a million barrels per day below the monthly record level set just before the COVID-19 pandemic caused production to plunge. The all-time monthly high for oil production took place in November of 2019 at 13 million barrels per day. The all-time annual high was also in 2019 um, when production averaged 12.3 million barrels per day. We are at uh, we are right now at 12.1 million with an average for the year of 11.9. We are not in the position we were in before when it comes to energy production. We have seen a huge increase in natural gas prices. There's also a story about Native American tribes that are upset about the disparity in policy with the with the Biden administration when some of the tribes use uh, the, their their um, land leases for coal and for other uh, you know other forms of energy. They make profits from those, and they're being starved out on those. So this push for climate change reduction, all of this stuff that they are doing is, in their mind, what's best for America. We've talked about this how many times. The belief in the Biden administration that the number one issue that is facing this world is climate change, and nothing gets in the way of them doing that, of, of stopping it or whatever you want to call it. And this is going to – the American people are going to pay. So as the cost of food continues to grow – the reprieve we've gotten with gas prices has seemed to have reversed. We know that natural gas prices and heating oil prices are going to go much higher. OPEC is going to reduce production to drive up the price of a barrel of oil. How high, we don't know. And we continue to push oil out of the strategic reserve, trying to offset some of that. What happens when we have to stop doing that? That's what people need to be talking about. That's where the problem lies. Our solutions are not going with the oil companies or I should say the fossil fuel companies and saying to them, we have got to ease restrictions on them. We have to make it easier for them to do business. Therefore, they can keep their prices as low as possible. There is a full frontal assault in the fossil fuel industry from everybody on that side of the political aisle. Now, if you believe it's the right thing to do, and a lot of people do, then you're cheering this on because you're willing – to pay higher prices and force working class America to pay higher prices so that you can get the results that you want. But there are many in this country that don't feel that way. Again, if the president of the United States wanted to do something for the American people and talking about the working class, what they would have said is we are going to suspend some of our policies uh, as far as regulation goes and the EPA restrictions and everything else, the, the oil leases on and offshore, federal land. We are going to make it easier because now Joe Manchin cut a deal. If you remember, they cut a deal with Mitch McConnell. They cut a deal so that we could get something passed. Well, that got pulled. Why did that get pulled? Because the Democrats didn't like it. And I understand, listen, this doesn't have to be a partisan issue, but this is how it worked. So now as far as it making it easier to get land lease or oil leases in order to get energy, they have made it more difficult. So now Manchin is out trying to shop around to get a better deal, to try to get something done. Doesn't it seem strange? At a time when everybody has been right that's been talking to this administration, not from this administration, when it comes to inflation, that it wasn't transitory, that this was something that's going to be long term, but also the way energy prices have been handled. 
We don't have the seat at the table we did a few years ago. We don't have the ability to be energy independent like we did a few years ago. And if we were telling the oil and gas industry here in the U.S. that we are going to make it easier for you to do business, they would be able to spend the money necessary to revamp refining um, all of the places, the refineries. They'd be able to produce enough diesel fuel to drive down that cost for deliveries, but they're not. And I don't believe they're ever going to. And so that's the partisan political part of it from my point of view. But the reality for people, and if you look around, the reality for people is you are seeing more and more hardworking families hungry. And it's not going to get better. So the Fed, and by the way, the, the Dow is up, the S&P is up, um, the NASDAQ are up today. We'll see for how long. Hopefully it's a trend that continues on. The Dow is up over 645 points right now, and hopefully that's a trend. I hope it climbs back to where it was. I want to see your 401k flourish. I, it does, I'm a, I am not one of those people that wants to see the Biden administration fail because it means regular Americans are failing. I don't want to see it happen. I never want to see it happen. But what we've seen is a dramatic drop over the past year in confidence from the investors who invest in the future. And now the Fed is saying some of their key indicators are showing that food prices and the key things in inflation are going much higher, which means they're going to have to raise interest rates, which means people are already pulling back because they know it's about to get worse before it gets better. And that's just the reality of where people are right now. And it's a shame. It is a shame. And here in Arizona, the opposite. When you look at what's happening here, very high inflation. But when you look nationally at the at the grade that's been given, Arizona has fared very well compared to other states. The Phoenix area, the Valley, has fared much better than other places because of the way we've done things, because of lower tax rates, because of the flat tax that's been implemented, because of the business-friendly environment. We have businesses flocking here. We still see cranes up all over the place. We are still building homes, and we can't build them fast enough. We have all of those issues facing us. So when you just look at results, how do you not say what we're doing is working? Why wouldn't you try it in other places? We did it because it was working in other places. You know, and, and I don't know this for a fact. I've never had this much of an in-depth conversation with our governor. But when you look at places like Texas with no state income tax and the massive growth they have there, the same with Florida and DeSantis and what they've done there, no income tax, which was in place before DeSantis got there. Nevada, no income tax. And so we started heading in that direction. You look at what we have have to offer the country as far as businesses, and I mean really high-paying industry businesses coming here, and we've done an excellent job by driving down taxes and getting rid of government involvement. We're not giving away the farm, but we're doing it the right way. We're not over-regulating. We are not over-taxing. And I think it's working. And I think people are going to have to take a look at that in the long run and say, all right, we may have, you know, there's the class warfare things always going to be out there. But at some point, we have to look and say what works for everyone. Are you happy making less money because you have less opportunity if the rich get punished? And it's just it's a silly way to think. In a moment, I give you a Hurricane Ian update uh, of what the latest is in southwest Florida. A firsthand account from people that I talked to over the weekend. It's right around the corner. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app.
Thanks for being here. Taking me back to my youth. Um, appreciate you spending some time with the show. I had conversations, been looking at pictures. If you want to see, if you're a Facebook user, um, check out the page uh, Fort Myers Beach Observer. That's the newspaper on Fort Myers Beach in southwest Florida. They have got tons of pictures. I wish you could see more of the before pictures. It is pretty crazy what you're going to see, but if you saw the before and then the after, it, it's remarkable. If you're trying to keep up with what's going on with Hurricane Ian, I know that parts of Lee County have seen the power returned, but not all of them. My brother's house as of yesterday morning, uh, still no power. They got an email that said it might be the ninth before they get it. My mom is going to fly out tomorrow out of Sarasota Airport um, because either there are no flights or they're not flying yet out of RSW, which is a regional southwest in Fort Myers. So she's going to drive up to or my sister-in-law is going to drive her up to Sarasota to get her out here. Um, So there are a couple of things that I want to discuss about her. There's things that are happening. Um, The governor of Florida is getting criticized because of the late uh, evacuation order. And this is the stuff that kind of gets to me a little bit. And I'll get to all of it. But I want you to hear this happened, I believe, I can't remember, a couple of days ago or a day ago. This is the vice president of the United States and what she said about how resources should be divided up in southwest Florida or in Florida in general. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. And I'm so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and and do that work. So uh, I'm going to try not to lose my temper. The FEMA FEMA administrator said the agency will support everybody. So not only do they have to get disaster relief into southwest Florida, specifically southwest Florida, but all of all of Florida that was damaged by this as far up as Orlando. If you knew the distance between Fort Myers and Orlando, it's three and a half to four hours by car normally to get there. And they they saw heavy flooding. They saw flooding on the east coast, not just the west coast. This storm decimated parts. Parts of Florida, starting on the beaches where wealthy people live. Uh, if you own a home on the beach anywhere, you've got money. So how you, it, the idea that now FEMA has to defend and say, no, we're going to help everybody equally is a ridiculous thing to have to do. And the fact that people are cheering about equity, I can guarantee you this. I know this firsthand knowledge. Nobody in southwest Florida right now is looking at the color of your skin or your gender or your gender identity. People are just helping each other. Somebody brought a generator to my house so that they could have the refrigerator running in my brother's home. Uh, neighbors are helping to dig out. I had one of my best friends in my entire life named Adam Canales on the show. By the way, since we're talking about equity, uh, a Mexican. Uh, his parents both came from Mexico. Um, talking about the neighbors being in the street, cutting down pa- uh, palm trees that were laying across the road so first responders could get through. The entire neighborhood called the villas. The neighbors cleared the streets so that uh, first responders could get anywhere they needed to go. Everybody helping everybody. 
And that's what this should be about. This should not be about this idiotic equity nonsense in this moment. Now, I'm not saying equity is nonsense. I'm not saying that the desire for everybody to be treated equally and equity is something we should not be uh, ever focused on. I'm saying in this occasion, it is everybody helping everybody. And if you don't set that stuff aside, it's idiotic. It is absolutely idiotic. The other thing that happened was Marco Rubio put forth a bill for like $50 billion in federal funds to go to um, relief from Hurricane Ian. Well, he gets called out uh, because he voted against a bill for Hurricane Sandy. So, of course, when you do that, everybody says, how could you not vote for hurricane relief? So I want you to hear his defense of this. This is his defense of what happened with Hurricane Sandy. Oh, I've always voted for hurricane and disaster relief. I've even voted for it without pay for it. What I didn't vote for in Sandy is because they had included things like a roof for a museum in Washington, D.C., for fisheries in Alaska. It had been loaded up with a bunch of things that had nothing to do with disaster relief. And I wouldn't support disaster relief efforts. I would never put out there that we should go use a disaster relief package Florida as a way to pay for all kinds of other things people want around the country. So I think that's the key in moments like this. And then Sandy, unfortunately, they loaded it up. They really did. Okay, and that's that's the issue here. Taking advantage. So we heard the president of the United States in the early hours after this hurricane made landfall and decimated Florida. The president of the United States warned oil companies and warned retail companies not to price gouge. He went after oil companies telling them not to price gouge or we're going to come after you. Why didn't he say to the Congress and don't load up relief bills with stuff that has nothing to do with disaster relief? You notice they ignore that. So Florida's digging out and this is what's happening in Washington, D.C. It happened in Sandy. It happens in all these things where they loaded up with stuff that has nothing to do with the disaster that they're dealing with. And it should be insulting to all of the American people. All right, we're going to have Zinsmeister in for Gatos and the Big Q poll question of the day coming your way here in just a couple of moments. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. All right, in for Gatos at Steve Zinsmeister. Welcome back, Steve. How are you, man? Hey, I'm good, Mike. What's up? Uh, hey, are you going to the Trump rally on uh, Sunday? No, no. Yeah, see, I kind of figured that, but it plays into the Gatos Big Q poll question. It's brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Former President Donald Trump will hold a rally in Mesa on October 9th. That's this coming Sunday. So the question is, how will this impact Arizona voters? Your options are more will vote Republican, more will vote Democratic, or fewer people will vote or it won't change a thing. And see, usually this is like me just trying to pull the audience, Mike, but this one actually has a real answer. And the real answer is it won't change a thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty. That would be the one I would go with if I were answering that question. So it's like going to a concert, right? Like you only go to a concert because you like the band that's playing. Yeah. Nobody buys a ticket and is like, well, we'll see if I like these guys. I'll pay a couple hundred bucks and uh, we'll see how it goes. And I think um, as polarizing as the former president can be, um, the people that love him have already decided how they're voting and the people that despise him are already decided how they're going to vote. Now, do I think that there's value when you rally the troops with something like this? Okay, there might be some value in that to get your base ready to sprint to the finish. But you're right. I don't think it's going to change anyone's mind. Yeah, and I think these things are a lot more valuable during the primary than it is the general. I mean, in the general, most people who are hard 
hardcore Republicans, they're staunch Republicans, they're going to go vote for a Republican against a Democrat anyway. It doesn't matter if they have the support of the president or not. But in the primary, I'll bet you a lot of those candidates like you know, our Attorney General Mark Burnovich or General Mick McGuire would have loved to have had the endorsement of a former president because they were all fighting for a Republican vote. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, this one, I think it's just pageantry. And, you know, it'll it'll drum up a lot of interest. A lot of people will be there. They'll be tailgating and all that stuff. Uh, but it's not going to do anything come Election Day. I agree with you. I have less than a minute left, so I've got a poll question for you since you're such a big baseball fan. Biggest, oh, I love it. Biggest baseball story going on right now, Aaron Judge or yeah, Pujols? Right. Pujols getting 702. Well, okay, so Pujols hit his 700. He actually hit 699 and 700 in the same day in Dodger Stadium, which is cool because that's where he had his resurgence last year. But, no, Aaron Judge is the biggest story in baseball. He's a New York Yankee trying to beat a New York Yankee record set by Roger Maris back before there even were steroids. So uh, Aaron Judge still looking for home run number 62. So that will be the biggest story in baseball. All right. Well, that's what I, I, that's why I asked. You're the expert. Well, I appreciate it. Are you back tomorrow? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm around, man. I'm, I'm here all day. All right. Thanks, man. All right. See ya. All right. That's Zinsmeister. He is the producer of the Gatos and Chad show. He will be back, I believe, tomorrow. Gatos is out for a day or so. Um, in the meantime, you'll get the big Q poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers just after 9 o'clock. Are dating apps safe? I would know. Never been on one. But we're going to talk about it in just a moment. 